Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the second hour is here. Just OutKick like 360 Tuesday edition, 6th and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. If you head over to gallerysports.com, that's where you can read the work of our next guest. Every Tuesday, John McClain joins us to talk all things NFL headlines. He's covered the league for more than 50 years, and um, here he is with us. He's been with us for over a decade. John, how are you? Well, if I've covered the NFL for more than 50, that put me closer to 75. It's actually only been 47. Oh, so nearly 50. Let me yeah. get that right, John. Nearly, yeah, nearly 50. 50. Or, or more than four decades. Does that make me sound younger? No, I'm going to say nearly five decades. We want you to sound Not old. more than. I'm going to say nearly. nearly. John, you, that means you've been on this show for well over a fifth of your NFL coverage career on, uh, on, go, on OutKick 360 with us. So we appreciate you for that. Hey, I appreciate it too, guys. It's been, I think this is what... Have the Titans been there 25 or 26 years? Got here 97. 25. Okay, well, this is my 25th year of being on the radio in Nashville. And, and of course, without kick all over the country, and I do appreciate it. Glad you're with us as well, John, and, and really enjoying gallerysports.com. Um, let's start with last night's game and the decision by Nathaniel Hackett to attempt the 64-yard field goal, let the clock run down 30 seconds before calling a timeout, and putting Russell Wilson, who I was talking with the guys when we started the show, Russell Wilson back in Seattle in that moment, and the first-time head coach in game number one takes the franchise star off the field to attempt a 64-yarder. What, what were your thoughts on what we saw from the, the new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett? That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen because you have a quarterback who's noted for great dramatic comebacks. I've seen two or three of them just against the Texans. Give me Russell Wilson that situation any day before 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 you try a field goal where McManus is still was it one out of eight from 60 plus yards. Yeah. It was just a really, really dumb decision by coach who was coaching the first game of his NFL career. And I can't imagine anybody, anybody that anybody uh, agreed with him, including probably his wife and his kids and his dad, <laughs> uh, Paul Hackett, the old former head coach of the USC and, uh, and a longtime quarterback coach and offensive coordinator in the NFL. I don't feel I, I feel bad for him to make a decision that stupid, especially you got Troy Aikman ripping it. You got the Mannings and and Shannon Sharp ripping it. Everybody ripping it today probably should say, guys, I screwed up. I won't make that same mistake again. I just don't know how in that moment he doesn't have someone up top in his headset telling him that in real time, 
right? Like, he might. You know, he could. He may have everybody in there saying, hey, Nate, you better rethink this. We yeah. got Russell Wilson. But it's his decision. He made it. It did not work. You know, McMahon has had the distance, and he is a really good kicker. His longest field goals, I think they said, had been away from Denver. But in that instance, considering he was one of eight in his career, that was a high-risk decision, and it backfired. But you know what? If you don't fumble the ball on the one-yard line two times, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. What a moment for Geno Smith on the flip side. Starts 13 of 13, uh, emotional after the game, getting that win in that moment where no one's believing in him or that team all offseason. And for this instance, we see Geno Smith at some of his best work, and and he deserved the, the accolades he received post-game. great. Definitely one of the all-time great quotes. They wrote everybody wrote me off, but I didn't write back. <laughs> and I thought his first first half, of course, was magnificent. And after that, they were just trying to escape with a victory. And he's he's paid his dues. He's been around a long time. He and Russell Wilson are really good friends. They used to work out together uh, every day. They would start with telling each other, "Let's be great today." And you could see at the end the way they hugged at midfield. I think everybody was happy with them. Do we think they're going to the playoffs with Geno Smith? I don't think so. But for one game at least, you know, he was the man. i tell you, were you guys as surprised as I was that he, Russell Wilson got booed like that? Yes. I thought people would give him a standing ovation. We were surprised, but I liked it. I, I like a team, uh, a fan base being pissed off uh, well, about I, a guy that they feel like left. But I thought there would be more of a moment of honor like beforehand and then boo during well, the game. To be John, fair, they, I, I, he was traded. Yeah. Yeah, but he wanted it out. But, John, I'm not as surprised at the fans, you know, being fans and booing as much as I am his former teammates throwing shade at him and the loss on, on social media after the game. That, that's what surprised me. The hatred in Seattle for Russell Wilson does surprise me from both players and fans. Jonathan, Paul, I got to ask y'all something just between the three of us. Okay. Does the Backstreet Boy have any credibility left? <laughs> no. No. Uh, uh, I've got a lot of credibility in the boy band realm. Yeah. But it's huge the football over there. realm, not as much. Well, at least, John, he didn't miss a classic, you know, that we were expecting that Buffalo Rams game to be really good. And, uh, you know, it was it was pretty yeah. to be fair, well established that Buffalo was, was way more of an L-biter. Than that NFL game. <laughs> when were they going to play their biggest hit, John? Edge, it was an edge of the seat moment. Before Chad, the uh, encore or after? Chad said they played over 27 songs or something. He had, he had, didn't, know they had didn't know they had 27 oh, they songs, got, Chad. They got 27 he, was like an umpire, he was like an umpire with a clicker, just counting them on. I mean, 25 of those 34, John, you would have heard on a radio at some point. Trust me. They're all hits. All right. I, I got to ask you something. We <laughs> see the movie This Is The End with James Franco and all his Oh, friends. yeah. Yes. I've seen that movie a hundred times and I love the ending. And uh, I've, now every time I watch it, I will think of you. Isn't there a heaven moment with Backstreet Boys? It's a heaven moment. And they're smoking a big joint yeah. and yeah. they're dancing in heaven with the Backstreet Boys. It's great. And from now on, I'll think of you right there. Uh, with Seth Rogen and all of his cast characters. But for that, he wouldn't know anything John's about it. getting the first invite the next time the Backstreet Boys are in town. 
heck, I, I probably will know the band by the end of this, and I'll hook you up with tickets in Houston when they roll through there. I'm sure the show will be sold out. He's unavailable. Like Maybe I'll National. get my band back together, and they can be the lead. They can opening be the introductory act. band for us, opening act. That's opening right. for John McClain's band, Backstreet Boys. Well, I tonight. mean, it does call for a festival. When your band finally gets back together, we need all day opening act. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going. We're going to need a little help to do it the way we used to do it. Uh, kick off. Backstreet Boys will too. <laughs> i got so many things I want to say, but I cannot. Because I cannot reveal the band name. But there's so many things I want to say. So many things are wanting to be said in San Francisco right now, John. The flip side of the good quarterback story, feel-good story, is Trey Lance's performance in week one in Chicago. How quickly can this go south in that locker room with Jimmy Garoppolo waiting in the wings. He didn't play well in his last preseason game in Houston when he played, I think, for the first time. And then he didn't play well in this one. I thought it was a very interesting report by Jay Glazer on Fox that Kyle Shanahan had gotten 15 of his teammates together and told them, look, if this thing is a problem, I need you guys to make sure you got Trey's back because they don't want the locker room to say, hey, Jimmy G needs to be playing over Trey. So Kyle Shanahan knew that there was a chance of this, that Trey Lance is going to struggle. Remember, he only played one game his last year at North Dakota State, and they still drafted him that high. I looked at the halftime at that game, and I saw that Justin Fields' rating was 2.7. And I thought, well – San Francisco is going to pull it out in the rain. Then Fields throws two touchdown passes in the second half. And I think people are going to be understanding early in the season of Trey Lance. But at some point, if they start bad, I don't see how you can stick with him when their aspirations are to go to the playoffs, if not the Super Bowl. And he has to go back to Garoppolo. Lovey Smith's late overtime punt, a surrender and an acceptance of a tie. How'd that go over in Houston? It didn't go over well, Paul. Here's why. Texans were seven and a half point underdogs. Everybody picked the Colts. And uh, for them to be ahead 20 to three early in the fourth quarter, Davis Mills had two touchdowns, over 200 yards, no turnovers, and the defense played really well. And then all of a sudden, Laramie Tunsil, their left tackle, missed a peel-back block. Mills gets blindsided, fumble at the 20, easy touchdown. Then it's 20 to – it was – yeah. Then it's 20 to 10. And so the Texans' defense and offense were both awful at that point on. And the Colts should have won the game. They had blew a 42-yard field goal. Uh, by about 10 yards off to the left with a chance to win it. And then the Texans got the ball back, and uh, they have a second and one. Pep Hamilton, the new offensive coordinator, called plays, calls for a pass, incomplete, calls for a run, and Rex Burkhead, we call him Rex Bleeping Burkhead. (laughs) They used him as their primary back over Damian Pierce. People here are just – beyond ourselves because Pierce was so good. And Lovey Smith said yesterday, Pierce will get more opportunities in this game. They give the ball to Burkhead. Their center, Justin Brett, who was awful, lets Grover Stewart blow by him, throwing for a two-yard loss. Fourth and three at the Colts 49 with 26 seconds left. 
And based on how pathetic the offense had been, Lovey Smith didn't trust them to get the first down and didn't trust defense to prevent a completion, another field goal attempt. So he took the tie. And I said, if a tie is like kissing your sister, the first one in franchise history, like kissing your brother. And of course, in Indy, everybody's upset because they tied the Texans. So oh, you know, people good. here are saying, well, hey, you could be the Titans. At least the Texans tied for first place this late in the season. <laughs> You're on fire, John. John, is there a uh, is there a storyline there with OJ Howard? Uh, and how long had he been there? And he he impacts this game more than anybody not named Davis Mills. They've had issues at tight end. They got a bunch of them last year. Their rookie Brevin Jordan caught three touchdown passes in that late in the season. That was the only touchdowns by tight end on the roster. So they get O.J. Howard last week. They give him a crash course in Pep Hamilton's offense. Boom, 18, 22-yard touchdowns. And so obviously people are going to see more of him. He had blown out his Achilles in the first game in 2020, missed the season, came back last year. Brady had Gronk, he had uh, Brait, and he didn't get to play much. And then Buffalo, he goes to Buffalo. Buffalo cut him. Now, he may not have another catch the rest of the year, and it's too bad because you talk about a good comeback story. It was, and and he looked really good, and everybody likes the guy. Now they go to Denver. Broncos are going to beware. But for one one game at least, O.J. Howard must have felt like he's back at Alabama. For those who didn't see the game or, or portions of it, explain – Matt Ryan within the offense, what you noticed from him uh, offensively in Indy, why it was such a slow start to begin, and uh, overall play, did did the Colts eventually get into a rhythm to where you're like, okay, this is the version of Indy that everyone's been wanting to see? Well, that's that's a good point because he had uh, 146 yards through three quarters, and they did a good job against Jonathan Taylor. They hit him in the backfield a lot. Last year in the two games, Colts won 31 to three and 31 to nothing. He had 287 yards and four touchdowns. So he paid a price. And then for three quarters, he didn't do much. Ryan didn't do jack squat. And then after that blindside fumble that Ter- Laramie Tunsil missed the block, it was different. Michael Pittman was the only receiver he had. Typical Colts. They were throwing the ball to Naheem Hines. You talk about a dumb decision that could have cost Frank Wright big time. They're down on a one-yard line in the first half, and they go to the Wildcat, and they put Matt Ryan out to the left. Naeem Hines takes a direct snap. He's got Jonathan Taylor right next to him, takes a snap, starts to run. Boom, Jonathan Gennard, defensive end, drops him for a loss. Had the Texans won that game right, would have never heard uh, the end of such a terrible call. But in fourth quarter, after that turnover, Matt Ryan started throwing it down the field. Michael Pittman had more than 100 yards. Taylor cranked it up. And Ryan ended up with 352, all but 146 in the fourth quarter in overtime. Coming up, John McClain will uh, continue to go around the horn with us with the NFL. We'll discuss the, the Saints comeback in Atlanta. Uh, A.J. Brown's debut in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts running and throwing the football with the true number one receiver there. Steelers win in Cincy despite the five turnovers by the Bengals. They somehow get that game to overtime. 
Steelers win 23-20, and they get good news today with T.J. Watt. All of that and more straight ahead, and we've got to discuss Dak Prescott in Dallas with his injury. John McClain continues on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Recapping the NFL weekend with John McClain. GalleriesSports.com is where you can find his work. We're broadcasting on Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. John, Saquon Barkley gashed the Tennessee Titans defense. A run defense that was very good a year ago was awful on Sunday. And here's Saquon Barkley, healthy, motivated, and he was the best player at Nissan Stadium uh, across the board. It was an impressive showing for the Giants at the end. Brian Dayball, of course, is the gutsiest coach in the league, and people here talking about Lovey Smith went for the tie, he went for the victory, he won. He's the toast of New York, as he should be. And then Barkley, he's healthy for now. He's playing for a new contract. You guys know when players play for new contracts, they tend to stay healthy, just like as Paul with Aaron Judge. Can't remember when he's played a full season. And uh, they earned the victory. And I'm guessing the Titans will bounce back. But for at least one week, the Giants are the toast of New York because the Jets may be the worst team in the league. A.J. Brown has not had a uh, a bad day since he landed in Philly, John. I don't, I don't believe because his debut was the best that the Philly's ever seen for any player in game number one, wearing the the Eagles uniform. Ten catches, 155 yards. He had six for 128 in the first half. And while he didn't reach the end zone, every one of their big offensive scoring drives, which ended in a rushing touchdown, was set up because of A.J. Brown. I can't think of a better way for him to debut for that franchise and for Jalen Hurts. You guys aren't surprised. I'm not surprised. Nobody that's watched him play in his career with the Titans of surprise. And he got the big contract when he went to Philadelphia, more power to him. You know, there's a lot of people in the AFC South, in Houston, Jacksonville, and Indianapolis, and they see those stats in Philly, and they're going, they don't have to cover him anymore. And he always sounded like a good guy, so I'm guessing everybody's happy for him. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the fan favorites while he was playing here, and, and now they're they're trying to develop the next fan favorite, and that was part of their issue on Sunday. They they distributed the football to two rookies and Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips, but they're, they're lacking that punch, that go-to guy whenever the offense begins to stall because Henry's not going. And now, because of the 0-1 hole, they head to Buffalo on Monday night football and they've got to take on the Bills to avoid that dreadful 0-2 start. And we know what that means historically to playoff chances, whether six teams get in or seven. 0-2 is a tough hole to dig out of. It is, unless you play in AFC South. Based on what we saw in this first week, 
in which the Texans and Colts tied, Titans lose by one. Jaguars could have beaten the Commanders at the end, and they blew it. Trevor Lawrence had some mistakes. It doesn't look like the division is going to be very good. And I certainly, based on what I saw in one game, you know, the Colts will compete with the Titans, but the Colts were certainly nothing special to come to Houston in a game they should have lost. So I think, you know, we all, they call it overreaction Monday, overreaction for the first game of the year. Think last year how bad the Packers got beaten by the Saints in Jacksonville. Everybody thought Aaron Rodgers had finally hit the wall. They got home field advantage. So it's too early for anybody to panic unless you are the Dallas Cowboys. Chargers got the defensive effort that they were looking for when they kind of reassembled their defensive roster against the Raiders. Uh, Arrow is as big up on them as for you as it is for a lot of other people, including me. Paul, I got to admit, I wanted to be a little different. I didn't want to pick the Bills. Everybody's picking the Bills. Everybody's picking Josh Allen. So on my two websites I write for here, gallerysports.com and my Radio station, sportsradio610.com. I picked the Chargers. Me too. And I picked the Chargers to win the Super Bowl, Justin Herbert to be the MVP. But then I see people like you and others picking the Chargers. And I still like the pick. But then I look at Kansas City and see how much the Chiefs missed Tyreek Hill in that first game. And I'm thinking, whoa, how did I ever pick against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? And that, man, they put on a show. They put on a show. Uh, Mahomes has made it a point to put some momentum together this preseason with no Tyreek Hill. No Tyreek Hill, no problem uh, this past Sunday against Arizona. But Mahomes has been playing in every preseason game, and that offense was churning out the points. They they know how to put the foot on the gas and keep it there. They, they, they snuff out opponents, and they don't al- allow you to get back in games. You have to keep up with them in games. One of the stats that I saw that was the best quarterbacks who did not play in preseason three and eight on opening weekend. Don't know if it was because they didn't play, but the facts are the facts and they were three and eight. And I'll tell you what, Patrick Mahomes has been phenomenal in the first games. Of course, he's been phenomenal every game almost. Next year, if we're looking for a surefire bet, whoever the Chiefs play, take them because Mahomes is just magnificent. John, you had a great stat about quarterbacks who did not participate at all in the preseason that I saw you post out there. And Russell Wilson was the last one of the week, and he ends up losing. We're all going to be quick to say preseason doesn't matter. Who cares? But there may be something to be said for getting some form of reps in the preseason as a quarterback. One thing, Chad, like is if you have a new coach with a new system – say Russell Wilson, he's got a new coach with a new system. Maybe he should have played a little bit. Aaron Rodgers has got Matt LaFleur and he's got a bunch of new receivers. Maybe he should have played a little bit with those new receivers. Now I can see some of them, if they have the same coach, same system, same teammates, and they're held out, that's one thing. But others, you know, it seems to me they need a little playing time. And this is a great example of it. What a great week to set up what could be a really fun AFC North this year. You mentioned the Jets looking bad against the Ravens. The Browns go to Carolina in the revenge game for Baker Mayfield, and they went on a 58-yard field goal. And then John and Cincy 
the wildest game of the week. I was hooked on this game early on Sunday. Back and forth, all the crazy special teams moments, and the Steelers of all teams go to the defending AFC champion and win on the road against Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. What did you make specifically about that game? What did you think about what happened across the AFC North? First of all, when you think about Joe Burrow and Cincinnati, and they were very fortunate to get to the Super Bowl based on some of the things that happened to them in the playoffs, our two Super Bowl quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford, had eight turnovers, including seven interceptions. So it was not a good debut for them. Pittsburgh, you know, T.J. Watt, they're saying he's going to miss six games. His brother, J.J., tore a peck here and came back for the playoffs, and he was hurt later in the season. So I'm guessing T.J., without the surgery, is going to be able to come back. They're saying six games. They don't have any idea. But the fact is, if you've got the Steelers and if Trubisky can play like he did in this game, and then the Browns with defense and a running game, even though they could have lost it, and they need the 58-yard field goal to beat Mayfield and the Panthers. And then the Ravens, in the first half, the Ravens had 11 yards rushing. And it's a good thing they were playing the Jets. Of course, they blew them out. Lamar Jackson played well. You talk about a competitive division from top to bottom, it's gonna, it could be second to the AFC West. Jerry Jones isn't even going to use a IR spot for, for Dak Prescott. He's so optimistic about the recovery timetable and he wants him involved in everything, every way possible. Uh, we unanimously say the Cowboys season's over. Um, they're, they're not going to recover from him being out. Um, should they have done a better job than Cooper rush? Uh, it's easy to say about any team that loses its quarterback. It's a lot of talk. Should they try to trade for Garoppolo rush has been there for like four years that injury, and it didn't look like at the time he did it that it was that bad. You know, most of the time in the follow-through, they hit helmets and the thumb. I remember one time Warren Moon came off and the bone was sticking out of his thumb where he had hit that helmet, and this one he hit the guy's hand. So I thought, well, you know what? That's not going to be so bad. But Jerry Jones saying that in four games, he doesn't have a clue. Give me a break. You know, they never can say four weeks. It's got to be two to four, four to six. And I guess he's trying to keep everybody's hopes up, the players' hopes up, the coaches' hopes up. But right now, it's looking pretty bleak. I don't think they'd finish in last place, but Washington won, the Giants won. The Eagles, even though Jalen Hurts didn't throw a touchdown pass, he had a really good game. And the Eagles, who led the NFL in rushing last season, had 216 yards with Hurts providing a lot of those. So Philadelphia looks to be the best team, and right now the Cowboys look to be the worst. And the thing is, when Prescott was playing against the Buccaneers, they looked terrible then. Yes, and and that was that it was going to be a, a talking point their offense, regardless of what happened. Um, but John, do you think they just is the talk in Texas that they just stick with Rush and they wait this out without making a move? I haven't seen anything any different. Everybody listens to Jerry Jones's talk show when he's on Monday morning to see what he says. and he They don't even want to put him on injured reserve, which means he'd have to miss four games so they'll carry the roster spot. Maybe he will make a great comeback. I was listening to Brett Favre 
on NFL radio and he had it happen to him. And he talked about taking shots all the time and he could grip the ball. It was agony, but he could do it except where there was humility, humidity. And he said, if you have to play in Tampa or Miami, he said, a ball in your hand sweats and it's harder to throw it. And he hadn't looked at their schedule to see where they play on the road, but he played and, you know, but Favre was an iron man. You know, there's something wrong in his head to play with all the injuries that he did. And I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be confused with Brett Favre when it comes to playing every single game. What'd you make of, of Brady uh, beginning season 23? While we'll just, we're discussing the Cowboys, their opponent, the Bucs, there's a great clip that's out through NFL Films of Brady going up to Julio Jones and saying, man, my, my arm's not young anymore. And then the next drive, he hits Julio Jones for 48 yards on a great catch by Julio. And they go on to move the football down and score. Um, overall, I mean, we saw them here in the preseason without him. And there's just a different tone and vibe when he's not out there with this roster. And, and then you see him in week one and just picks up where he left off. We can never doubt him again. Three new starting offensive linemen, center and two guards. Then he loses his left tackle, Donovan Smith. So he's got five new guys up front. He didn't skip a beat because he knows how to get the, rid of the ball so fast. But it was it was amazing to watch Tom Brady. I picked the Cowboys to win that game. I'd seen stats about how Dak Prescott had played really well against the Buccaneers. And I thought, well, according to reports, he's got marital issues. That's a distraction. And he, if he was – if he were distracted in that game, they might have won 40 to 3 if he wasn't distracted. John, what do we make of the Dolphins' 20 to 7 win over the Patriots in regards to both of those squads after one week? Boy, Chad, like that's weird to think about that. All those problems people were uh, thinking as Belichick playing possum with his offensive coordinator, not having a coordinator or legitimate quarterback coach, Mac Jones, struggling in camp and preseason. And I know I was thinking, well, they're going to beat them and they're going to be back to being the Patriots. And now they just look terrible. Panic has set in in Foxborough and all across New England. The Red Sox are terrible. The Patriots are struggling on offensively. And Miami, I want to see Miami play a better team before I get behind them. But right now, the Patriots are not going to finish last because the Jets are awful. But, boy, seeing them finish third and maybe a distant third, and a lot of people think, well, let's come up. And so Belichick, he blame himself because he's the boss of everything. But it's kind of uh, – I don't feel sorry for him. It's just so unusual to see the Patriots basically helpless on offense. So the Browns got safe quarterbacking from Jacoby Brissett. They ran like crazy, starting with Nick Chubb, and they played pretty sound, smart defense. Can they get that recipe on a weekly basis against better competition, and how far can it carry? I picked Baltimore to win that division, Paul, just because they're healthy now, and Lamar Jackson's back, and he's playing for a big well, he's not playing for a big contract. They franchise him next two years. And I think John Harbaugh being a great coach, I think I would take Baltimore first. I had Cleveland third with Cincinnati second. And it, it still could happen. You know, any division, 
any team in that division, based on what we saw, the Steelers is capable of winning it. And I picked the Browns in that game because I thought the running game would dominate the clock and the defense would dominate Baker Mayfield and the offense. And I thought Carolina played about as well as it could play. And if the Browns can keep up that old-fashioned formula, then they can at least be a playoff contender. I've said before, and I'll say it again, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to come off this long uh, period where he hadn't played since 2020 and just step right in and play real well. It's going to take him some time. All of his games are in, in December and January. All are outdoors after he comes back against Houston. And he's historically not played well in really cold and bad weather. So he they might not be any better off with him than Brissett at that point. But I think they'll still hang in and uh, compete for a wild card. John, um, everyone from that Sean McVay tree that's now a head coach in the league somewhere, Shanahan, and I should include him on that tree, they all have their top wideout. And Kevin O'Connell now has Justin Jefferson. And they're, Kirk Cousins, That they're going to throw it to him a lot. We, we hit on A.J. Brown and what he did in the first half alone. Justin Jefferson nearly matched it. And then he set a career high for himself with over 150 yards receiving in the game. He was unstoppable uh, this past week against the, the the Packers defensive backs. I'm guessing both of them were not as impressive in the second half because they adjusted their coverage. And now Brown and Jefferson are going to get a lot of attention. Now, why would defensive coaches not know that based on what they did last season? But I still want to see Kirk Cousins win a big primetime game. And a lot of people are picking them to win that division, I'm not after one bad Packers game, but I do think that they can compete for the division. They got, they got a lot of talent. Dalvin Cook's got to stay healthy. He's had injury issues in the past, but O'Connell is a first time head coach with Wes Phillips, uh, Wade Phillips, son, his first time offensive coordinator who came with him from the Rams. So we'll have to see if they can have any consistency, but right now, as you guys can imagine, they are pumped in the twin cities. Any uh, any room for um, overreaction to the Packers wide receiving core right now, or you just chalk it up to week one and we've seen the Packers struggle in week one in prior seasons? I think it was very selfish of Aaron Rodgers not to work with those guys in offseason. And just for the mental part, uh, Watson, the second-round pick, drops a bomb on the first play. And that kind of set the tone for the feebleness of their offense. But uh, they should get Alan Lazard back. He's their best receiver. And they got to run the ball more. Run the ball more, run the ball better. But I expect they'll bounce back. Matt LaFleur has done a great job handling Rodgers and make sure they have balance. And this will be the biggest test of all. Any remnants of the ayahuasca that you – did you notice with Rodgers or did he look okay from that respect? (laughs) You know, he, he cut his hair, so he didn't look like Con Air anymore. <laughs> did he completely uh, cut it, or did he put it up into something? No, no, no he, he cut it. Cut he it. still okay. got it kind of long on the sides. Yeah, but it, it looked like it was still up in a little in bit back. of a bun or something, I no thought. No bun. No bun. Okay. He doesn't look like Nicolas Cage and Con Air anymore, but he doesn't, he doesn't look like Ving Rhames either. And so I think that he likes being different, and I think He's this. Not- I think he'll bounce back. And he, he like he revels in the controversy, but then he gets mad when people uh, people target him for so much criticism. But hey, he and Brady, they seem to me 
to be guys that love to be in the center of attention and act like they do not. See, I, I don't. I don't think him throwing the receivers in the offseason makes a bit of difference. Christian Watson was on PUP. Robert Tanya was on PUP. He already knows uh, the other guys there. Alan Lazard was out on Sunday, so the guys he would have been throwing to were on the bench. Well, Christian Watson should be catching practice balls whenever he was healthy from whoever. If they're hitting him in the hands, he needs to catch it, no matter who's was, throwing it. That was a rough start, John. Yeah. That play on play number one, down 7 nothing after the Vikings went right down the field. Touchdown on play number one, right through Watson's hands. No timing issues on that him. throw. It was in, in stride down the sideline. I felt bad for Watson, and they drafted him in the second round for a reason. And he... They think he's going to be a really good receiver. And if you cannot he be might a be. good receiver playing with Aaron Rodgers, basically you shouldn't be in the NFL. <laughs> well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers got Nathaniel Hackett, a head coaching job, and we see how good of a head coach he is one game in. So we'll see. Christian Watson still could be great. John, uh, the Saints win by one. Had no, They had no business getting back in that game based on the game I was watching Atlanta play. And here, here comes New Orleans in the second half after not being – I mean, they had negative yardage in the pass game, I believe, in the first half. They then have over 230 yards passing in the second half, and they win by one on a 58-yard field goal, uh, I believe. And then they end up blocking another kick, the, the yep. Young Hoku's kick at the very end. Um, they, they escape with a victory, and Arthur Smith at the end of the game told reporters in Atlanta, "You guys have been writing my obituary and our team's obituary all all off season. So keep going. go ahead and do it. And it's one game. We have sixteen more to go. The only thing missing was they are who we thought they were, yeah. <laughs> and slammed the podium like Dennis Green. I thought Arthur Smith did not handle himself well after that game. One of the things a head coach can't do is to act like he's paying attention." to what's being reported because you tell your players don't pay attention to the outside noise. And then when you react like that, it's obvious that you are. Their team's bad. They're going to be bad. And I would tell the Falcons fans it was a tough loss, but it puts you closer to getting a higher draft choice and maybe a franchise quarterback. Robert Saylor also paying attention to the outside noise. He's keeping receipts. There's going to be a lot of receipts. He's got a big expense report. <laughs> How do you when you how do you do that and then turn tell the players don't pay attention yeah. to the noise and you know the players know it I they're not a, stupid I did a Fox News rundown today saying exactly that I, I like Joe Douglas uh, he's he's reaching Colts territory for me with how much love he receives for his talent acquisition versus results yeah. I mean that team is awful <laughs> on Sunday fair. and I, I I realize they're starting quarterbacks out that team was awful on Sunday and it was same old Jets. And and all of it, you know, Joe Douglas is apparently, you know, a brilliant general manager, though. They just they're just so desperate to be good that the fans take any little crumbs that you give them to, to be optimistic about. John, what's your pick? Uh, for, go ahead. That also comes, excuse me. That also comes with media. You know, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are great with the media. Yeah. I'm guessing Joe Douglas yeah. is good with the media. And so they put the word out, and it makes them look good. And the fact is, if the Jets are horrible again, how many years does that be for Douglas? Four years? I, I'll double-check this, but I think you're right. I think he's in four right now. Yeah, three or four. He, Who's uh, your pick for Thursday night, John? Chargers, Chiefs. Chiefs. I'm not picking against the Chiefs, even though I picked the Chargers to win the Super Bowl after watching <laughs> – 
Patrick Mahomes, what he did. I'm not picking against them. Maybe the rest of the year. They could still win the Super Bowl and lose Thursday night. He is in um he's in year four, Joe Douglas. There you go. One of the things, Paul, about us picking the Chargers, they they don't have a home field advantage. It's tough for them every game. But I tell you what, it's going to be fun watching Justin Herbert. I saw a stat of him throwing balls 30 yards or more. He was by far the most effective quarterback in the NFL last season, going deep balls. His arm is ridiculous. I, I like their talent a lot, that lack of home field. I've got Rams versus Chargers. Uh, in the Super Bowl, uh, opposite of a Subway Series, uh, keep Freeway in, Series. Keep in mind, the first matchup between these two teams, um, Staley was ridiculed because he went for it on fourth down so often, especially late. But it was one of the more entertaining games of the entire NFL season. Absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by it just to see what the Chargers can end up doing here. Chad, what boy band will you be seeing Thursday night? Uh, 98 degrees. No, kidding. LFO. No, no boy bands. LFO. John, thank you as always, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. And read me at gallerysports.com. I need all the readers I can get. We'll be sure. Thank you guys we'll very much. Thanks, There's John. John McClain. Follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. We'll continue to hit the headlines and some injury updates across the NFL. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. So, guys, explain the Washington State commanders. Yeah, so I saw this on Sunday afternoon. This was for sale at a, not in the stadium, but at a team-sanctioned merchandise truck. It looked like a food truck that was selling merchandise. On the stadium property. And then once it was called to attention by this tweet... (laughs) <laughs> which was an intrepid reporter who saw this, the commanders went out and took it away. The responses <laughs> to this tweet were remarkable in that a lot of fans of the commanders from Washington State really wanted to get their hands on this because it had captured, uh, captured their state and their yeah. team who plays in Washington, D.C., obviously. How many layers of failure do you have to go through for this actually to hit a shelf? I mean, first, somebody has to approve it being made. Then somebody has to unpack it. Then somebody has to put it on a shelf. I mean, even the kid who's making minimum wage to man this truck, unpacking it, should be able to look at this and say to his boss, text them, hey, I got an item here that's ridiculous. I'm not putting it on the shelves. You're going to want to look at it later. There's no way in hell they're doing that. And I mean, from Redskins to Washington football team to Washington whatever to commanders to they're just 
they're flying by the seat of their pants yeah, right now. They're hoping to end the headache from the hangover and just end the, get paid to sell whatever they need to sell. They don't have a home. hangover. They're just sweaty and they have a headache so, and they're oh, dehydrated. Yeah. I believe now. There's that, no way the minimum wage guy is saying anything about this. In our this. day, they would have. Right? In our day, a minimum wage may, maybe, worker might have. This is definitely that. a real gaffe because the team would have released a statement saying we're not affiliated with whatever that truck no, was it, that was selling that, it. it it's, there's a big commander but sign on top of the truck. What, I wonder if anyone bought it. <laughs> Follow me here. I wonder if anyone bought that thinking that's actually the outline of Washington, D.C. <laughs> Not knowing what our nation's capital is shaped like. Do we know I, what it's shaped I wonder like? if they I bought it thinking, oh, that's a pretty there. cool. That, you know, that might be Washington, D.C. that that's an outline of with the Washington Commander's logo in it. I'm going to buy that. And they realize <laughs> later, oh, no, that's Washington State. Well, the thing is, they don't play in Washington, D.C. either. It would no. be kind of like Jets but or Giants re- merchandise. Represent. On the state of New York. <laughs> well, the Giants, I mean, I'm watching the game on Fox, and every single graphic has the New York City outline. Yeah. Well, at least you, for can, the, for the you can see the New York City outline from where the Giants play. I do not believe you could see any. We've been there hunting. Well, you there's no skyline in D.C. because they can't They can't be higher than the Capitol. Yeah. So there's but no big buildings in D.C. you can't see the Capitol or any of the monuments from there. It's, it's, I mean, the organization is an absolute mass and this symbolizes that other people maybe it was you proposed they have their logo on on every state of the nation so that they could be truly what do you think national i honestly though i do i will say i don't know what dc looks this issue and and this the whole organization being a mess is the force name change the biggest part is daniel snyder but it's a mess when you have three or four different names over three years right and like and all, all this, this different gear. Yeah. I remember seeing the Washington Commanders. I got to remember that. Their team coming through the broadcast team on Radio Row with the pullovers on. And it took me a good 10 seconds to recognize who they were with. I was like, oh, that's the Washington Commanders. Right. Like they're young people running around that were getting sound at the Super Bowl. It's a new day. They're one to know. They are. They, they got the Jags they in week are. one, baby. They got the Jags. They found an organization more in depth than their own. <laughs> they could be a second-place team. Coming up, headlines. Maybe. Without uh, that, We will talk more football, NFL, and college on OutKick 360. Hang with us.